So, um, as I just said, uh, I'm speaking to you guys this morning on the topic of fear. And uh, the talk title for my talk this morning is Fear, Thinking Outside the Box. Now, I know that not everyone is too keen on this phrase. It's a, it's a strange phrase, to be honest. But this morning, we are literally going to be talking, thank you, Leon, about this box here. Uh, this box that says fear on it. Now, uh, for those of you uh, who might be listening on a podcast at some point, if you hear me squeak or trip, it's because I will be getting in and out of that box throughout the morning, and that will be what you hear. Um, but before we move on to this, I'd like to tell you a story. Um, I want to tell you a story of when I went on holiday. It's all about people going on holiday this morning. That's all we, me and Leon, we just got you guys here to tell you about our holidays, really. Um, but this is a story of when I went on holiday. Uh, a few years ago, I was fairly a little bit younger than I am now. Uh, but I went on holiday with two of my friends and we went to Spain. And uh, one of the things that we did on our holiday was something called gorge walking. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that. Uh, if you're not, there's going to be a picture coming up to show you the kind of idea uh, of what that is. Um, so this is gorge walking. Uh, the idea is, is you basically walk up a river. Now, these guys in this picture are suitably dressed. I didn't really go with the whole health and safety thing. It was sunny, it was Spain. So I had like a t-shirt, some shorts and some trainers and I was pretty happy. Uh, so me and my friends, like, what we did was we did this gorge walking and what that means is you walk up a river. So you're kind of trekking up the river, and when the bits of the river are deeper, you would swim through those. When you get to a waterfall, you would climb up the rocks by the side of it. There were plunge pools, so you would maybe jump off of a waterfall into the plunge pool. It was amazing, and we did this for the day, and, and it went all the way up. So we parked at the bottom of the river in the morning, climbed all the way up, had lunch at the top, and then walked back down the side of the river. It was an incredible experience. I would say it was probably one of my favourite things I've done on holiday, and I wasn't expecting to enjoy it, but I really, really did. So uh, at the end of the day, I got back to the car park, got in the car, and I said to my two friends, oh, wasn't that a lovely day? And uh, they're like, yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. Um, and I said, do you know, though, there was one bit that I didn't like that much. And they're like, oh, really, what was that? So, well, did you notice that that was like one of those pools? And when we went through one of the deeper pools, there was all like seaweed, like seaweed, like weeds all around your legs. And you were having to like kind of pull through them and kick them off. At this moment, my two friends just looked at each other. Now, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a conversation where you say something and the other two people just look at each other, but it generally means something. It means you've either been massively inappropriate and you haven't realised, or there's something going on that you don't know about. Now, in this case, it was the second. My two friends looked at each other and I said what any normal person would say in that moment. What? And they said, have you noticed, Laura, that you didn't see any of the publicity for today? I was like, oh, yeah, it was quite a surprise we were coming. They were like, yeah. On the publicity, it did say, look out for the eels. <laughs> now, anyone who knows me knows I hate fish. My fear of it is completely irrational, and it's not as bad now as it used to be. But I dislike fish. I don't like how they move. I don't like that they're faster than me in water. I don't like that they feel funny. I don't like that they've got flappy little gill things. I, I feel threatened by them. I don't understand them. They have funny eyes, and I don't like them. Um, so for me to be sat there and be told that what I thought was seaweed around my legs was actually eels, and my friends knew about it, I cannot explain to you the horror that I felt. I felt sick, I went quiet, I went pale. And after a while of reflection and contemplation about the fact that my friends had betrayed me hideously, I, uh, I began to think about this fear for myself. Because I guess up to that point, I'd never really thought about fear that much. 
I'd never really assessed it. And I sat in the back of the car on the way home and I thought, if I'd have known what was in that water going into today, would I still have done what I did? And in all honesty, like, the answer is no, I would not. I would have, like, walked up the path up the side going, you guys are doing really well, you're doing so, keep climbing! And, uh, and I would have totally missed out on something that was an incredible day. At that point, I began to realise that often we hold fears, but we never think about them, we never assess them. And what we do is we develop these fears in our lives. And fears can look really different for different people. For some people, it might be a fear of being lonely. And so you go into relationship after relationship after relationship. It might be a fear of being vulnerable. So you keep people at arm's length. It might be a fear of telling people that you're a Christian, telling them about Jesus. It might be a fear of financial loss. And so you don't want to risk. It might be a fear of failure. Whatever your, failure, your fear sorry, looks like, it looks different for different people. But what happens is we get ourselves into a box and we build little walls around ourselves. And these walls are to protect us. And they're to protect us from the things that might harm us, to keep us safe. But what happens is if we don't assess our fears, if we don't think about them and question them, then the longer we live for these, with these fears is that these walls get bigger. And the walls that we put around ourselves to protect ourselves and to keep things out actually begin to confine us and begin to keep us in. And so we get to a point where we go, do you know what, I, I want to tell people that I'm a Christian. And we try and step out of it, but we can't get out of the box we've created. We want to be able to trust people with our emotions, but again, we can't get out of the box that we've put around ourselves. We want to be someone who takes risks, but we, we, we try to, but we're scared of the consequences because we've left these fears in our lives for so long that we find that we live in this space just here. Now, what I'm not saying is that fear is always a bad thing. Fear is actually a very healthy thing. Humans and animals have a natural instinct for fear. Fear is important. You see, fear is the thing that stops you climbing up an electric fence. Fear is the thing that will stop you going and eating two-year-old prawns, for example. Or if I was going to take one of you and throw you into shark-infested waters, I would expect some of you to have an issue with that because fear keeps us safe. Fear helps us live. But if we just live with fear and we just live with it as a label, live inside this box and never question it, fear doesn't bring life. Fear brings death. Because we'll want to move out into this space here, but we can't. We're confined. And so it actually robs us of our potential. It robs us of the things that we could be doing, the things that we could be stepping into in our lives. The other thing that fear does is interesting with the other emotions because fear can, fear, fear can feed anger. Fear can feed disgust. And what can happen, and I think often does happen, is that fear kills joy. And so fear robs us of something. Robs us of something that we were called to that should be ours, but because we live in this box, we cannot get away with it, and our joy is stolen from us. So I want to look at a Bible story this morning uh, because I want to ask us a question. And I guess this is the big question of the morning. And that is, are we fearing the right things? Are we fearing the right things? Because I believe that we're not. And I, I think this is a question that's actually a lot bigger than 11.30 on a Sunday morning in Hales Owen. I think this is a question for humanity. And I think it's not just a question for humanity now, but it's a question for humanity throughout time. And because of that, I want to go back to the beginning. I want to look at the story of Adam and Eve this morning. 
And we're going to read from that in a second. Because I believe that Adam started having all his fears in order, fearing the right things. But eventually he began to fear the wrong things. And when he began to fear the wrong things, there were consequences. And actually we still live in some of those consequences today. So I'm going to read from Genesis 2. Uh, verse 4 onwards, and then I'm just going to skip around a bit, so it's going to be on the screen. Bear with me. If you think I'm missing bits out, I am. You can read it yourselves. I'm not missing anything uh, massively crucial for this morning. Okay, so uh, Genesis 2, verse 4. This is the account uh, of the creation of heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild animals nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees go up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land, uh, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. Then we're going to skip down to verse 15. The Lord placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, then you are sure to die. I'm going to skip to chapter 3. Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Well, of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit in the middle, the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened, and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking in the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. You see, I think there are two things here that Adam should be fearing, and he isn't. First of all is the fear of God. You see, I think when God made Adam, he probably knew exactly who God was, what he had done, and it was fresh in his mind what God was about. But the longer he lived there, he kind of forgot who God was, forgot what God could do, forgot how seriously God was when, when he said to him, don't eat, that, don't eat from that tree. The other thing I think that Adam misses is a fear of mediocrity. You see, Adam compromises. He gives in. And he says, oh, I probably, I probably wasn't supposed to, but you know, it's not that big a deal, is it? And I guess those are the two things I want to talk about this morning. First of all, the fear of God. And second of all, the fear of mediocrity. Are we fearing the right things? You see, 
When we talk about uh, the fear of God, fear is an interesting one. We are used to fearing things. Humans are used to being afraid. Um, There's plenty of things that we're told we should be afraid of. If you think about what we're told in the media, we should be fearful of aging. We should be fearful of death. We should be fearful of weight gain. We should be fearful of weight loss. We should be fearful of having too much and we should be fearful of having too little. We should be fearful of certain nations and nationalities and different religions. And fear is used to control and confine us by other people. And yet, I would say we are still fearing the wrong things. We need to be fearing God. Can I have uh, the next picture up, please? Back to holiday stories, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Those of you who follow Andy and I on social media or know us at all will know that we went on holiday in February. And uh, we went on an amazing holiday. And we went to a hotel and um, we did the whole thing of, well, come and meet your holiday person. They'll tell you about the trip. So we went along and sat in this room where this guy told us all about all the trips we could be on. And uh, there was one trip that I knew I wanted to go on before I even got there. And this was this trip. This was where we walked with lions. Now, uh, we went into the into the meeting and this one came up and I looked at Andy and Andy knew that in my mind it was not optional if we were going on the trip or not. We were going. So uh, we were going to sign up. But before we did, the guy said, look, it's really important that before you go on this trip, you need to know you have to cover yourselves in insect repellent. Like you are going to get bitten if you don't. And if there's one thing I like less than fish, it's mosquitoes. Like, they love me and I hate them. I'm the person that no matter how many people you're with, they come right here. And when I get bitten, I don't just get bitten. They're like, they're like golf balls on my arms. I must be allergic to them or something. Um, on my holiday, on my honeymoon, sorry, about two days in, I got bitten on the face by a mosquito. My face swells up. So all my honeymoon pictures, I have like, this massive face. And my husband, for the first two weeks of our marriage, nicknamed me Bite Face. And sometimes I still get that. Sometimes I still get called Bite Face. So I hate mosquitoes. I really hate them. So I just thought, okay, suck it up. I really want to do this. I'll just remember to put insect repellent on. So we go along, and it's in like this safari park. It's really cool. And um, we're stood there waiting for these lions to come out. And there were two lions. This is the boy lion, and there was a girl lion as well. And um, as I saw these lions walking towards me, I think it was the first time that I really understood what it meant to fear God. Um, it's hard to explain, but there was this, this massive lion. And these weren't even fully grown lions. I think they thought that if they were fully grown, they would definitely eat us. So these were like toddler lions. Um, but even then, its paws were like the size of my face. Um, they were huge. Like when they stood on their back legs, they're about twice my height. Um, you could see the muscles through their skin. They were so powerful. And whilst it was this power that, that, that they had, this kind of, I had this awareness that I could do nothing to control this animal either. My fate was completely in its paws. Like, I could do absolutely nothing to stop it killing me if it wanted to. I didn't stand a chance. And yet it wasn't a scared fear. And this is why I think it is like the fear of God. It wasn't a fear that I wanted to run away and hide. But I couldn't stop looking at it. It was, and I don't use this word lightly, it was majestic. That's not really a word I use, but it was. And I couldn't stop looking at this lion. It was beautiful and powerful. And I felt so vulnerable being with it. And I knew I couldn't control it. And it was dangerous to be near, but I couldn't not be near it either. We were all walking along behind it, pushing each other out of the way because we wanted to be the ones that were closest to these lions. Although we knew what the stakes were. They were beautiful. 
And there was this moment when we took this picture um, where you can go up and you're allowed to touch certain parts of the lion. So we went up and the guy who was like king of the lions was like, oh, put your hand on the lion. So we put the hand on the lion ready for a picture. And as Andy and I stood there just before this picture and did this, put our hands on this lion, the lion looks round at us and just looks me straight in the eye. And me and Andy, honestly, we were so scared. I was stood there like frozen because I had absolutely no idea what it was going to do next. And I was so aware that I had no chance of controlling it either. Whatever that line was going to do next, I was totally at its mercy, completely. But at the same time, I could not look away. It was incredible. It had captured me. I'm there looking into this lion's eyes thinking I could die at any second. I don't even know what you're thinking right now. And then there was one of the lion guys like dangles this raw bit of meat in front of its face to try and distract it from eating me. And it turns around, is distracted and we have the picture. I lived. Um, so that's great. Um, but in this moment, I was just like, this is incredible. And um, we had that picture and then we walked away and uh, we, we went into the sort of a shaded area and we went and stood by a river. And um, by this river, uh, we went and walked up and I felt something on my legs. And I looked down and I saw a little tiny insect flying away from my legs. And in that moment, I had a flashback and realised... This is a day when I did not wear insect repellent. And I realised that these mosquitoes have been chomping at my legs. And all of a sudden, this is all I could think about. I start touching, I've definitely been bitten. I've definitely been bitten. And uh, I felt really sensitive. I, by the way, was bitten about 12 times on my legs. And um, I'm like brushing these mosquitoes away and I can feel it. And then that's it. That had captured me from that point on. For the next sort of 10 to 15 minutes, all I could think about was anything that touched me being a mosquito. Blades of grass along my legs and I'm kind of wiping my legs down. Um, and I was just caught up in these mosquitoes biting me and just obsessed with these things that I thought were attacking me. Um, until there was this moment. And um, it wasn't this lion, it was the lion that you, I'll show you a picture of in a little bit. But it was a female lion, and she sat um, up the pathway from us and had a raw piece of meat in between her paws. And this lion here, this, this boy lion, came up and started to try and steal the meat from her. And she let out this growl. Now, you can hear a lion's roar from about five miles away. So this wasn't a roar, this was like a warning shot. Do not touch my meat. And she just let out this growl and it went through me. Like I could feel this, this sound that came out of this lion. And all of a sudden I realized that I'd completely lost focus. I had been so bothered about mosquitoes that can cause this irritation around my legs. So I totally forgotten that I was in the presence of something that commanded my life. And do you know, we do that so often. We forget who our God is. We are so bothered by the fears that we're told to be fearful of, the things and bad experiences that maybe have hurt us in the past, the things that we feel we need to protect ourselves from, that we forget that we are in the presence of a God to be feared. Not to be cowered away from, but a God of love that is powerful, a God that commands our hearts, demands our obedience. And I think this is what Adam forgot. You see, what's interesting, and I'm just going to quickly read this from Genesis chapter 3, uh, verses 9, 9 and 11, is that when it says that Adam's eyes were opened, there's a reaction that I find interesting. So just the end of verse 8 is, um, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. 
I was afraid because I was naked. You see, the funny thing is about all of this, that Adam forgot who God was. He'd forgotten to fear his God. And then when his eyes were open, he remembered that he had been caught up in minor irritations and forgot he was in the presence of something that commanded his life. You know, so often we uh, forget that our God is the God that created the universe. The God that, when there was no rain, just commanded water up from the ground. The God that can control finance from one bank account to another. The God that gives us life as a gift. It is not ours to, to have. It's not something that we deserve. God gives us the gift of life and can take it away just as quickly. And yet... This powerful God, this all-consuming God, what did he do with his power? He showed us love. He gave all his power away, stepped down to earth as a human being in the body of Jesus and died so that we didn't have to face the consequences of the decision that Adam made on that day. Now, if you don't normally come to church and this is the first time you've heard this, then please, please, please get hold of someone, get them to tell you the full story. It's so incredible. But this God of power, this God to be feared, made the choice out of love to give up all that power and die for you. It's incredible. So the other thing that I believe that we need to be fearful of, as well as sort of mindful of fearing the right things, as well as fearing God, is uh, fearing mediocrity. Can we go to my next picture? Now, I'm going to go back to the lions. Uh, This is the other lion. This is the girl lion. Uh, She's the one that was growling. Uh, We were allowed to touch them and stroke them, so that's me with the girl lion. I liked her. She was nice. Uh, And then the next picture is a picture of where we kind of had one of our photo moments with the lion. Now, when you go and do this thing, when you go and walk with lions, they don't just like throw you in there and hope for the best. Uh, There's this whole thing of like, there were like 12 of us, like normal people, and then six like, I don't know, lion teachers. I don't know what they're called, lion in charge of lion people. And um, so there was about like a one to two ratio, basically, of of them. And we were fairly safe. And then they take you into this room and you have to sign this thing that says, do you know what, if I get eaten, it was probably going to happen to me eventually anyway. I really don't mind. It's fine. And you you sign your life away. And um, they also give you this list of rules, right? So they go, right, you're not allowed to take in a phone. Okay. You can't take in a bag. Right. Uh, You can't take in water. Uh Uh-huh. Now, whatever you do, don't shout because it might alarm the lions. Okay, don't run because that means the lions might chase you. Ah, never walk in front of a lion because then it can attack you from behind. Right, never bend down because then your throat's exposed and it could go for your throat. Fantastic. Never touch a lion above its waist. It doesn't like it, it will get annoyed. Yeah, and if you're going to stroke the lion, stroke it hard because otherwise it might think you're a fly and turn around and bite your hand. Oh, okay, but don't worry. We're going to give you a stick. Okay. So we got, if you see this black thing here, I was expecting like a stick with a gun on the end or a stick with like tranquilizers or like electro thingies to like fend off these lions. What this is, is a hollow black rubber tube, ladies and gentlemen. That was what I was uh, trusting my life to. So they give us this stick and they say, do you know what? Keep hold of this stick. Whatever you do, do not let it go. This stick sets you apart from everyone else. They know if you're holding this stick, you're with us. They can't touch you. We're like, oh, okay, great, right, sure, give me a stick. 
So we, we, it was so funny because when, when the lions first came, everyone had to like stand in a line to like meet the lions. And everyone's like stood right behind their sticks like this. Like, you can see this right. You know that I am not food. I'm not here for lunch. So we're all holding our sticks out nice and kind of aware. And then um, we began walking with these lions. And we were kind of with them for about an hour. And um, Andy took like our photo camera and I had a GoPro with us. So I'm walking and I've got my safety stick in one hand, my GoPro in the other, and I'm walking around like this. But then I'm like, how do I stroke the lions with no hands free? So I was like, okay, this GoPro's annoying me. Um, and I had a genius idea. You see, what I did was I put the GoPro in the end of the stick. So I had like a filming stick. So then I felt like Gandalf, because I was walking around with this staff with like a camera on the end. And uh, I'm angling it. And as I go down to like stroke the lions, I'm like angling it down as I'm stroking them. And um, the whole thing happened with the growling, the thing happened with the mosquitoes. And then it got to a point where uh, you have like a photo moment and you can give your camera to the other people that have come with you and that way you don't have to buy the really expensive DVD at the end. So we hand our cameras to the people that have come with us and uh, I go to step towards this lion. And the guy who's like in charge of the lions is like, stop! It's like, okay! He's like, where's your stick? I'm like, I don't know where my stick is! Where's my stick? And I'm looking around and I cannot see my stick. I have no idea. I'm like, I had it a moment ago. I do this at home, but there's less, it's like not as high stakes at home when I've lost my keys. Um, and I'm looking around and what I realized I've done is that in my head, I forgot that the stick was the thing that was keeping me safe. It had become my camera pole and I'd handed it to the guy over here who's got two sticks and just started to wander towards this lion. You see, the thing was that I forgot the importance of the thing that was setting me apart. I'd forgotten what I carry. And I know that I have said this here before. I know that I've said this quote before. Many of you heard me say it many times. But there's an incredible quote that says, when you know who you are and you know what you carry, Nowhere is out of bounds and nothing is impossible. How often do we forget what we carry? You see, this all started because Adam forgot who his God was. He forgot that his God was powerful, that his God was a God to be feared. And when you forget who God is, in turn, you begin to forget who you are. And you forget that God has called you to something. You see, when you come into a relationship with God, God says, you know what, I set you apart. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. And that plan and purpose sits out here. And I want you to step into this. We accept mediocrity. We accept beige. We accept settling for things that aren't the best for us. We are happy to stay within this space because we forget that we were set apart. We forget what we carry. You know, there are so many things that we fear. I think many of us may well fear telling people that we know that we follow Jesus. Not just we follow Jesus, but we love Jesus. And we want to step out of that box, but we can't because we're fearful. We forget who our God is, how powerful he is, and what we were set apart for. I believe that there are people here this morning that God is calling you to step out into another job. And it's a job that is risky and a job that is dangerous. And we want to step out but we're settling for average because stepping out seems so scary. There are people here, I believe, that are scared of being alone. I believe that are people here this morning that are fearful of losing control uh, and, and like to feel that they have control of things, but as soon as they let go of control, they don't know what will happen out in this space and they want to try and step out, but they can't. I heard a talk a couple of weeks ago and uh, it was an incredible communicator. And the guy said, do you know, 
We fear a lot of things, but we should fear mediocrity because mediocrity is the thing that will kill you. And do you know, we fear all these things in our lives, but what we don't fear enough is missing out. And so I believe that God calls us to step out of these boxes because we were made for so much more than this. There are two kinds of fear. There's a fear that something called inhibits you. So inhibits you means that it holds you back, keeps you confined. And I believe that fearing the wrong things inhibits you. It will keep you trapped in this box. But when you fear the right things, it motivates you. And it helps you step out. Step out into being more confident about your faith. Step out into being vulnerable with other people, trusting in people and relationships. Maybe taking a massive leap of faith into something that you can't possibly think will work, but God says, this is what I've got for you, we're going to do it together. And so sometimes fear is a motivator. Um, Before I finish this morning, I just want to finish with one very short story, which I guess is quite personal to me. Um, So... uh, I don't know why it is. I'm not really sure. Um, probably a few things put together. But when I was uh, younger, I really, really struggled being vulnerable with people. Like, really struggled with it. And um, I guess I had uh, put up my little walls around myself. I kept people at arm's length because then I was safe. Then it was manageable. And I remember as a teenager, my mum sitting me down and going, Laura, if you're not vulnerable with other people, they are never going to be able to be vulnerable with you. And I thought, wow. I don't want that. So I began to try and step out of this box. And I guess I began to. I, I began to get there. I got better at it. Uh, but apparently when you get married, you have to like tell people things and like risk stuff and trust them. That was uncomfortable. So when me and Andy started uh, going out and it was getting more serious and we got engaged, I was a nightmare. Like the amount of times that I rang Andy up and tried to break up with him is unbelievable. There was this one time, uh, I, was ta- <laughs> I lived in London at the time, and um, I was taking my friend to see Take That, the musical, um, for the evening. And I remember just sitting in this theatre and feeling fear. And I felt anxious, and I began to panic, and I began to feel sick and shake. And I was like, I've, I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. I can't, I can't cope with this. So I remember running out of the theatre, like, never forget. It's kind of singing in the background. And calling Andy and going, Andy, we've got to finish it. I can't, what, what if this goes wrong? I can't cope with this. I'm not strong enough for this. And Andy, in his sensitive and loving way, the exactly the way that I need, went, Laura, you're being ridiculous. Go back into the theatre, sit down, and we'll talk about this tomorrow. I need that in my life. I went, I watched the rest of my musical, I had a great time, and we're still together. Um, I was being ridiculous, but in that moment, it didn't feel it. But I realised that I couldn't live like this. I didn't want to live here. If I wanted to step outside of this box, then I had to do something about it, and I had to do something about it with God. So uh, I really prayed about it, and I felt God say, do you know, Laura, you don't fear me enough. I'm too small in your mind. I guess I thought of God as being like, maybe this will work. Like, if I bring God into the situation, maybe, maybe it will be okay. I don't know, it's a bit of a gamble. But God was saying, you know what, you've made me too small. And what happens is when you make me too small, your fears become so much bigger than your God. He said, you know what? You want to step out of this box. And I can't guarantee you that when you step out of it, that everything's going to be okay. You might get hurt. You might be disappointed. Things might go wrong. 
I guess for some of you this morning, it might be that finances don't work out the way you hoped they would. That you tell someone that, that you love Jesus and they're not that keen on the idea. It might be that you trust someone and they do let you down. But God said to me, do you believe that I'm there with you? And do you believe that I am so much bigger than your fears? You see, we were set apart. We were made for so much more than this. And I believe that for some of you guys this morning, God is saying, I really want you to step out of that box of fear. Because you've made me too small. Compared to me, your fears have become massive. And that really needs to switch around. So I guess the question I'm posing this morning is, are we fearing the right things? Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, ask the band to come up. And um, in a second, if you're able, I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. Not yet. Don't need to do it yet. Um, but I'm going to give that opportunity again to ask God that question. Is there anything that I fear that I shouldn't? And we're just going to listen for a minute while the band plays some music and just listen to what God says. Now, if you're not really used to this, what might happen is that a thought might like, drop into your mind that um, you might not be your natural thought pattern. That could be it. I mean, it might be that you're sat there right now and you know exactly what it is that, that God's putting his finger on. But in a second, we're, gonna, we're just going to listen and ask God just to highlight us to us what some of our fears are. Because sometimes we live with them for so long that we become used to the space that we live in. So we have to ask for God's perspective on stuff. So if you're able and you're comfortable, please would you stand with me? Um, and we're just, I'm just going to pray and we're going to wait. Lord God, I thank you that you are a God of love. That Father, yes, you are to be feared, but you are not to be cowered away from. That God, you are passionately in love with us and God I pray that you would help us to become the best versions of ourselves that we could possibly be set us apart Father and in that God we ask you now just to bring to mind any of the things that we are maybe living in fear of whether it's a fear of losing control a fear of financial instability a fear of risk of failure of loneliness of being on our own and not being in a relationship God I just pray that you would bring those things to mind now as we just wait and listen to you. I feel like, um, please do just keep your eyes closed, this is what I'm saying, um, that God might be highlighting that there are some people here this morning who are fearful about their future fearful about what's next um, and what God's got in store for them and if that's you I just really encourage you to be responding this morning but what we're going to do now please again keep your eyes closed is that if you know that God is putting his finger on something this morning if you know that God is saying it's this thing then in a second not now I'm just going to ask you to sit down where you are and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to just ask people around you to maybe, if you're comfortable with it, place a handle on your shoulder and just to pray for you. And you don't have to tell them anything. You don't have to like share your deepest thoughts with them, but they're just going to pray for you because we want you guys to know that when you step out of this box, it's not just God that steps with you, but we as a church, as a community, as a family will step out with you as well. 
So if you feel this morning that God is just putting his finger on something that says, I want to set you free from that, let my perfect love cast out fear in that area, then I would love it if you would take a seat. someone who sat down I don't want you to ask them questions or kind of probe but if you could just place a hand on their shoulder and just pray for them that would be great God we lift these guys up to you Father I pray that they would have a fresh sight of how big and how powerful you are God I pray that you would really um, put your hand on the perspective that they see their lives through that God compared to you that their fears would fade away in your presence God, I pray that this morning this will be the start of a step out of the box. Amen. And for the keep praying for those guys, but for the rest of us, we're just going to um, worship God again uh, before we go.